Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor, and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Hey, it's Sex and Science Hour time. Happy Friday. Yes, happy Friday. Are you not happy that it's Friday, Brian? No, this I, is the happiness police. I, whoop, whoop. <laughs> pulling you over. When I was young, I did not find Friday to be that happy because, you know, you're, it's you're still two a steps school from day. Shabbat. Oh, God. You know, yeah, like, that's and right. that, that's and when I'm... people would start saying happy Sabbath and all that <laughs> stuff. So anyway, but with Sex and Science Hour, absolutely it is happy Friday. But for a moment there, it is. I, all I could think of when I heard happy Friday was happy Sabbath. Shalom. Shalom. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand for context, okay? Anybody who's offended by that. Brian was raised Jewish, and then his parents unexpectedly converted to Seventh-day Adventism without telling him what the fuck was going on oh. when he was about 13. They just showed up. The family rolled up to church one day instead of synagogue. But the Sabbath was still on Saturday, so he couldn't right. escape from it no matter what. And you like couldn't turn on the lights. You couldn't cook. You couldn't do anything fun. You got, certainly couldn't watch TV. You couldn't go in the car. Oh, well, we could cook. Well, th- that depends on who that's you were. lighting a flame, though, that, right? Right. Yeah, but that one was all right. That that's a whole side tangent. Anyway, Bottom line is all crazy shit. I'm an atheist now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, sorry to trigger you, Brian. No, but, no, 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 not at all. Um, that is not the worst triggering that's happened this week because um, <laughs> have you heard about these naked Trump statues that? Have have appeared in major cities, including New York, around the U.S. I've heard about these. Now, I've heard about it, too, but there's layers to this story that have been unraveling. Um, You know, on the surface... But it's not an onion story, even though there's layers. No, it's a real story. Um, There's some group of artists. I don't don't think there's been one artist that's come out and said, I did this. It's like a collective. Um, And they made these statues and somehow got them in every city. And people were taking pictures of them and yada, yada. Well, obviously, it's designed to, you know, demean and make fun of Donald Trump, who's yes. a presidential candidate here in the U.S., in case in case you don't live in the U.S., or in case maybe, <laughs> like us, you'd try your damnedest not to pay attention to any of that shit. Yeah. I think we were pretty successful at it, because last there was a there was a point in time before even the presidential primary where I said I looked at you Brian and like everybody's talking about the stupid election I looked at you and I'm like is this is that is it going to be over in a few months and you're like 
I don't know. Let's look it up online. And we Googled it and we found out that there was like a whole nother year of this shit. So yeah. we were all very disappointed. But we were celebrating because we had managed to uh, ignore it so much that we didn't even know when the election was. And just that we've forgotten how that whole end of the system works. Yeah, it's, largely. it's really bizarre when you take a step back from it. And you're yeah. Like, what the fuck are these people thinking? Um, somewhat, and just, you know, just so you know, in case you're new and you're just joining us and you don't know about our politics, we're, we're, we try to like steer away from politics on the show, but everything's political, um, in a way. I personally don't get into electoral politics. I yeah, don't support I mean, any of the candidates. There's going to be some person who is going to become president. Yes, I, I know that. I yeah. don't, I'm not like ignorant of that fact, but, um, I'm not excited about any of them. I think they're all going to, uh, you know, deign to rule over other people. And I don't really want anyone to rule over me. I can't think of much that the government does that I agree with or want to pay for. So that's where pretty much where I stand. Yeah, I agree. I, uh-huh. we're, we're, we're apolitical. <laughs> There's so we much corruption. Yeah, we just don't give a shit. I mean, on both sides, on all who, sides. Whoever, yeah. you know, whoever gets voted in, we lose. That's, that's yeah, the bottom line. That's, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So, yeah. so we're not Trump supporters. We're not Hillary supporters. We're not Johnson supporters. We're not nope. any, any supporters of politics except that you you figure out your own life and yeah. <laughs> you're the best person to do that. And I'll figure out mine. So anyway... um. These statues of Trump appeared in, in all these cities and in the statue, it's like a very, now I, I will say I, nobody really knows what Donald Trump looks like naked. There's been like a well, painting of a nude painting of him that was an artistic interpretation. And society they, at large always, doesn't know. <laughs> society <laughs> at large doesn't know. Right. Uh, but they always depict him in these, um, emasculating ways, like with a sp- very small penis. There was an mm-hmm. artist who painted a picture of him. That was a nude, and he in the picture he had a micro penis, very small penis, right? Like abnormally small, not just on the small side of normal. It was like a micro penis, and um, that painting sold for like a million pounds. But then she got death threats, and you know, it was like this big thing. When you start slinging mud, then you're like wrestling with pigs, and you know sure. it's not good. But anyway, there was that. And same thing in these statues. He's got a tiny penis and it looks like no testicles. You can't even see them. So what are, are these like paper mache statues? I mean, I don't know not, what it's like made stone, of, but I mean, they're pretty basic. It's got to be pretty uh, tough to hold up to the elements because I imagine yeah. it's rained in at least one of the cities that they were in. Yeah. Um, and he's also got a big like pot belly that's kind of hanging over and like has varicose veins and it right. doesn't look that pretty. Now. Of course, on one level, this is making fun of Donald Trump and all these leftists are saying, or, or just not anti-Trump people are saying, oh, haha, this is, this is great. You know, it's shaming him. It's emasculating him. It's making fun of him. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, there's a lot of other people who would also call themselves left wing or leftists or progressive or whatever, what have you towards that end of the spectrum who are saying this is not creating any progress because it doesn't challenge the status quo at all because what what they're doing is not shaming him for his politics and his views on things which are shameful in their eyes yeah um they're shaming him for his body 
Ah. Right. And body shaming is a thing that you're not supposed to do is on the left. Right. There's right. they're all saying there's too much fat shaming that goes on in the world. There's people that grow up and they're just they hate their own bodies because society tells them they're too fat and they have to be skinny and they can't because it's genetic and it's yada yada. It's hard to lose weight and they shouldn't. Nobody should care what you look like. Right. Yeah. Uh, especially when they're not concerned about your health. They just want to be able to gawk at you. Um, and then with the, with the penis, they're saying it's transphobic because that genitalia might be sort of what um, I, I guess like a trans man's might look like, right? Mm-hmm. There's no visible testicles because a trans man wouldn't have testicles because they had born with ovaries or female parts. And there's a micro penis, which, you know, you might have if you take testosterone and then the clitoris enlarges and becomes like kind of a small penis. Yeah. So they're saying it's, it's transphobic and also, I mean, not just because of that, literally, like it looks like the genitalia of a trans person. It may not actually, that may not actually really be the point. It's more like it, the genitalia depicted in the statue does not conform to the, the society idea of perfect male genitalia. Sure. You're supposed to have a big penis and big balls. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Something like (laughs) that. And it's supposed to look clearly male bodied. Right. right? And, and in the statue, it doesn't. And it's a way to shame him and make fun of him. Yeah. And he's he's naked. And, and people are taking pictures of themselves with it, doing all kinds of, you know, very lewd uh, things. Right. You yeah. can touch like the penis on the statue. And that's yeah. weird. I mean, I wouldn't want someone touching a naked statue of me. I mean, I guess I wouldn't really care that. I mean, it's not really me, but it's kind of a symbolic thing of like disrespect for just general bodily autonomy in general no matter Mm -hmm. how much you dislike or hate that person Mm -hmm. you know well i think that's a big problem with a lot of this is that you know a lot of people within the paradigm of politics a lot of people don't like how trump you know holds himself how Mm -hmm. and i don't mean is how he holds his own sack or something i mean like how he (laughs) how he acts right you know uh they don't appreciate kind of the muck the like the the over uh the the hyper muckraking that he does very over the top stuff um, and his and, policies, too. Which, yeah, obviously, like any politicians, are insane. Um, but this, so really, I, I don't feel like that these people who, and I understand the fear of Trump. Like, I, I really respect, I appreciate, and I understand being very concerned about this guy potentially being, you know, the commander in chief and, mm-hmm. you know, being able to, you know, lay out executive orders and all the stuff, effectively be king of America. That's really what the presidency is now. Mm-hmm. Um, I get that. Okay, but you're not within the political paradigm and within, like, I think a lot of the platitudes and attitudes that that lefty leftists like to kind of lay out or or liberals. um, You're not playing the better part of valor here. Right. I know. You're falling into his trap. And in many ways, I really do see the point of that. Yeah, yeah, you're very much you're you're almost proving Trump's supporters right. Yeah. And that's a problem in and of itself. Like this, this is a mistake on a bunch of levels, not just the body shaming, though. That's a huge aspect of it. Right. I mean, a lot of these people are the same people who complain that people criticize Hillary Clinton's appearance because she's a woman. And that's totally valid, too. But then they're doing the same thing. Yeah, can, can you imagine if it was a nude statue of Hillary Clinton that appeared? Like oh it, the reaction, I think, would be different, you know, <laughs> yeah. than it is, right? So, yeah, I, I just, I guess, just sitting back with popcorn, but also shaking my head and putting my head <laughs> down in my hands, and uh, <laughs> this is all just so screwed up. Yeah, it's ridiculous. What has politics become? 
Yes, what have we become as a, as a society? Not, not we. I mean, that's very collectivist. Yeah. I don't include myself in that way. So, I guess the moral of that story, there's not really much I have to say about it, except that I'm. it makes me glad that we stay out of politics as much as we can. Well, it kind like, of proves... This is why it makes me happy to ignore this shit. Yeah. I was going like, to say, it proves that the better part of Valor is to not be involved in politics at all. Yeah. Like, to just say, fuck it. Right. And... I, I mean, you know, because like I get it. It'd be funny, you know, maybe to like stand next to it, and and I mean this in a very metaphorical, nonviolent way, you know, with like a chainsaw or something. Like, ah, mm-hmm. You know, like I could see some very wild stuff. But I mean, anything you do to this could really be perceived as violence, and you're mm-hmm. just, you know, I think you're running into trouble. Like I, I would have almost, you know, if I were if I were running for poli- uh you know, for some kind of political office, I would have done this. To throw off my opposition, you know, to fuck with them. <laughs> you think you think Trump like put them up to it? I don't know that he. Would I don't know that, that he could have thought of something like that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say he's that clever, but I mean, it's something. You know, there's no such thing as bad press. And, <laughs> yeah, and, this and, might and, actually work out well. For I, him. I mean, like literally anything you do to these statues could be seen as a threat. Yeah. It, well, and you know, it's kind of. It's always kind of interesting when contradictions come up within um, political movements. And now I would say, if anything, I would probably fall more in the so at least like socially liberal camp. Sure. You know what I mean? Yep, like here. if you've listened to the show, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like politically liberal. I'm not like rooting for Democrats or any shit like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not rooting for any political par- party. But I would say I'm progressive in terms of my views on relationships and lifestyles and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I do, you know, I do think it's really interesting. Like, do you remember that cat calling video that went viral like a couple of years ago? This woman walks down the street, she's an actress and she gets cat called and everyone's saying, oh, how horrible. Isn't this terrible? Women experience street harassment, which is totally true. Women do experience street harassment. Every woman who's listening to this knows what I'm talking about because they have been harassed on the street. But in the video, it was like a hundred percent. Black and Hispanic men or Latino mm-hmm. men who are doing the catcalling. Right. And they are a minority group as well. Yeah. They are male, yes, and that's part of the dominant <laughs> group, but they are racial or ethnic minorities. And so um <laughs> there was this kind of contradiction because they're kind of demonizing these men who are all like men of color. Yeah, in a way they ended and up demonizing race. That? You right. Know, more than anything. Mm-hmm. And then Asian men are not even pictured. So they're being like desexualized and like sexually amputated. And, you know, so it was really it's really interesting to see stuff like that happen. Yeah. Also, the whole thing about like there's some people on the left who say, well, um, you know, there's no differences between men and women. There's no like biological differences. We're all the same. It's 100 percent cultural differences. And. I I tend to kind of agree with that sentiment that there's like a lot. Most of the differences are probably cultural rather than Mm -hmm. biological reductionism. Like all differences can be explained via estrogen and testosterone. I don't buy that. But um, so there's this idea that there's there's no difference. We're all literally equal. It's just that culture treats us differently because sexism. But then with transgender people. They will say in the same breath, like, okay, well, someone can have a male brain and be trapped in a female body or vice versa. Someone can feel like they're a woman and have a female brain, but be they're they're born in a male body. And that's perfectly that's something that can happen. 
Okay. Right. So on one hand, they're saying there's no such thing as a male brain or a female brain. And on the other hand, they're saying, saying, yes, you can have a male brain if you're trapped in a female body. Right. So that's a contradiction, too. Yep. Uh, And I have to to admit that it's it boggles my mind. I mean, obviously, that, you know, if you get more nuanced and you read about this stuff, you can reconcile it. But um, it it is just interesting. And of course, there's tons of contradictions on the right, too. I mean, sure. oh, God, like, it's impossible to be a woman, you know, and do anything right. Well, this <laughs> is what happens when you, you know, when you don't treat people as individuals, when you use mm-hmm. any kind of shorthand, really, yeah. you you can instantly run into uh, straw man arguments. And, you know, like all these conclusions that, you know, after you just step back for a second, obviously don't make sense or they are far more nuanced. Mm-hmm. Everything's nuanced. Everything's kind of gray. Yeah. Uh, or well, not everything, but pretty much everything. Yeah. A, a lot of these things people are so polarized on. There are arguments on both sides that make sense. Mm-hmm. It's just that you have to sort it out and you have to see whether you care enough to do the research to sort out what you exactly. think about it. Yeah. Right? So one of those things, actually, that I have not admittedly really looked into that much is the wage gap, the pay gap between Aha! men and women. Nice segue. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, I think we should do that one next. Um, because I had this for the science segment. I had this article called, Why Are Women Not Catch- No Longer Catching Up to Men on Pay? Now, and before you jump down my throat about this, I know this is something people have really strong opinions on. Mm-hmm. I really do. My opinion about this is I do think that um, women do a lot of work that is undervalued in society and yeah. culture, such as housework. It's very, very um, solidly proven that women do a disproportionate share of housework. It's called the second shift, like when they get home at the end of the day yeah. from work and then they're doing all the housework and their male partner perhaps is not doing any. Which, by the way, I do all the housework. Thank you. Yes, you are helping to smash that wage gap. Thank Damn you right. very much. Um, <laughs> Didn't mean to boast. Or the just, gap in work. Just saying it doesn't have to be that way, but go ahead. Or or care work and emotional labor, which is like, you know, when um, there's studies that show that when a parent is sick and they have like a, a male and a female child, mm-hmm. you know, the brother, a brother and a sister, the sister is expected to take care of the aging parent and the brother is not. Right. And usually it's the sister who does end up taking care of the aging parent mm-hmm. because they're a woman and they're expected to just do that work as part of being a woman because you have some kind of maternal instinct or something and you're supposed to want to take care of other people that are vulnerable like kid, kids and aging parents. Um, child care, of course, women do more child care. Sure. Um, and some people say, well, oh, they choose that, but I don't think women would choose to do a disproportionate share of housework and like changing their aging parents' diapers and things like that. No, if they, they had a real choice. I don't know. Yeah, well, especially if they not didn't- the housework for sure. No, right. Well, especially if they didn't grow up with, you know, under certain like uh, social mores, you know, so or so, I'm sorry, social mores. Mm-hmm. That's that, say uh, you're supposed that to say you're, you're supposed, supposed to put your own I mean, needs last and everybody else's that needs from, first. Right. You're taught that from, you know, the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, a classic case people bring up is, you know, like with differences between, uh, you know, boys and girls is that, well, you know, boys very quickly start picking up sticks and use them like swords or they use them like guns and all this stuff. Like, and that, that's, oh, that's barf. the key one, which is ridiculous because, <laughs> right. I, well, hold on. It's ridiculous because no five-year-old invented a gun. They learned it from somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Like exactly. that, that's just stupid to say that. Uh, but 
you know, people don't, again, this, this comes down to people don't think mm -hmm. uh, about the arguments that are being laid before them. So yes, you know, women may not want to be poly princess if they didn't exist, you know, in, in a, uh, you know, under social mores that tell them that's what they should do. Right. You know, if when they, they didn't go, see princesses on TV and things like that. Well, as simple as when you're a baby and your mommy takes you to, you know, to, to the, to Toys R Us or something mm -hmm. and they go There's into the girl aisle girl and you're surrounded by pink. Mm -hmm. Well, Gee, you know, is that because babies just happen to like that? Fuck no. It's, it's, it's because, I mean, this right. is just something that's been uh, uh, built upon for decades, if not hundreds of years. Yeah, I know. And there's been periods in culture and in different parts of the world where, like, red is the color of boys and boys wear pink and yes. girls are in blue. Exactly. Like China. China, yes, exactly. Yeah, proves the point. So, yeah, like so much of that stuff is cultural, probably more than people realize or take um, take into account. Uh, let's see what else. Women do more unpaid emotional labor as well. There's this concept of emotional labor, which is like things like um, doing things that require like just emotional energy, like mm -hmm. listening to someone complain about their problems, mm -hmm. being an unpaid sort of therapist for a friend, mm -hmm. um, giving advice, listen, just listening to someone talk about something traumatic or difficult, being a listener, yeah. being the first one to reach out and make plans, um, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, making someone feel like trying to soothe someone's feelings. You know, there's a lot of this like men, you know, are supposed to be all strong and dominant and so forth, but they really have like fragile feelings and women end up like soothing their feelings. That, oh, it's okay. You're great. You know, you're the best and mm -hmm. trying to make them feel better. Um, and even for men in their family, like fathers, grandfathers, brothers, whatever. Sure. Uh, so I, I do think there's a lot of work that women do. And I think it's statistically shown that there's a lot of work that women do that is undervalued by culture and that, society. That doesn't fall under any kind of wage gap. It's not even counted. Right. Because yeah. a lot of it's unpaid. Yeah. A lot of it is unpaid. Um, but in paid work, there is uh, supposedly a wage gap. Some people say, oh, it's well, it's be basically because women choose to be mothers and they're spending more time in their careers staying home with their kids. And so, of course, there's a difference because women are taking this huge time off. And it has to be accounted for somewhere. And there are statistics that say like unmarried or actually no lesbian women uh, get paid the same as men, hmm. which I think is kind of interesting. But I mean, there's so many different kinds of jobs. There's corporate jobs. There's like healthcare jobs. There's, you know, self-employment. There's all kinds of stuff. Sure. Now I'm self-employed. I'm a voice actor. And I would say that I've seen some instances I've, there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's like acting and there's typecasting and there's, there's some stuff, um, that I think falls under the umbrella of sexism. I'll see job descriptions a lot that'll say stuff like, we need someone to sound sexy, but professional, like a secretary when answering our phones. <laughs> yeah. You know, it'll be like a phone job. It'll say that. I've seen a job that needed a male character and a voice and a female character. And they were both like pretty similar, you know, it's just a standard character voice. Mm -hmm. um, there, there were penguins or something. Yeah. And there was a male penguin and a female penguin. And everything was the same. They had about the same amount of line. Actually, no, the female character had more lines than the male character. But the pay for the male was like 50% higher than the female. Nah. Uh, yeah. Male audiobook narrators and voice actors do earn more yearly, according to industry surveys, than... Uh, 
than their female counterparts. Now, is that because women choose something like voice acting because they can work from home and they can take care of their kids and they're taking more time off? I don't know. Or is it because they're the males are just the male jobs are offering higher pay? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to bring that point up. I wasn't going to make a conclusion on that, but mm-hmm. just that I think some people would say that. Um, I mean, I like I have an overall because th- there's an easy argument against this whole wage thing that mm-hmm. a lot of people want to bring up that I can debunk. But we can read the article. I think that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Do you want us? You can say your point. If well, you want. it's kind of if we're not going to like read read the article. <laughs> okay. So this is from uh, 538.com and under economics, why women are no longer catching up to men on pay by Ben Castleman. And he says, if you were an American man working full time in 1984, you earned on average a bit more than $22 per hour adjusted for inflation to $2014. If you were particularly ambitious or particularly in need of cash, you could make money by working more hours. But on a per hour basis, you'd still be making the same a bit more than $22 per hour. Fast forward to 2015, though, and the picture looks a lot different. The average man working a typical full-time job, 35 to 49 hours a week. Wow, a full-time job is now 49 hours a week. Mm. Holy shit, that's more than a full-time. That's yeah, I think like 45 two extra hours every day. Yeah, 45 is like last I knew was the limit where yeah. it suddenly turned into overtime. But anyway, go ahead. Okay, so he says, fast forward to 2015, the picture looks different. The average man working a typical full-time job, 35 to 49 hours a week, now earns about $26 an hour. But the man working 50 hours a week or more now earns close to $33 an hour. Hourly pay has risen more than twice as fast over the past three decades for men working long hours as employers increasingly reward employees willing to work extra hours with raises or promotions. This pattern crosses educational and industry lines and holds and holds when excluding overtime pay. Notice that I said men. Men make up a bit more than half of the full-time workforce, but they account for more than 70% of those working 50 hours a week or more. So as wage gains have gone disproportionately to people working long hours, they have also gone disproportionately to men, widening the earnings divide between men and women overall. So that's the point. It's that basically more men are working long hours, and when you work long hours, that's really when you see the gains in wage. Nah. I can I can imagine a reason why this is, uh, and I th- tell me about that. I think it's generational, and I'm not you saying it's generational. Okay, not, tell me more. I, I am not saying that this is okay. Okay, uh, that that men make more, you know, and all this stuff. I'm I'm not I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying that I can imagine, and I know because I've been in meetings where this sort of thing comes up, that uh, a lot of you know a lot of bosses are still male. You know, a lot of CEOs and all this stuff, and a lot of these guys put a huge emphasis on family. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even today, and the proof of that is in Silicon Valley, where with all the tech around them and all the great times to be had, you would think family would be the last thing on anybody's mind. Okay. But it's not because the CEOs give such a big shit about having a family. And if you have like, they want someone who has a family, but doesn't see their family because they work so hard. They, yeah, well, <laughs> well, no, well, 49 is not that bad. I mean, 60 hours is where you stop seeing your family. I think. Whoa. I, I mean, that's <laughs> right. Something. Well, something. I mean, I had a family get, yeah. once. I, I know how that, how that goes. But anyway, uh, I think what's happening is, is that they like, they want to these, this generation that is holding on to the past. Okay. Like maybe generation X or really late baby boomers are still of this mindset 
that the man's got to be the breadwinner. Okay. And he needs to be working his butt off for the family. And in fact, they won't hire into, they won't hire you into higher paying jobs if you don't have a family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this is on average because we're talking about averages here. Yeah. Um, I think that is, that is a part of corporate culture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And women shouldn't be working, you know, yep. and so, so they're, you know, it's just like, like they're, they're not getting the consideration. I mean, in their mind, I'm not saying that's what I think. I'm just saying in, in their mind. So I think it's very much a generational thing and it's trying to bring, because this, this generation is now the boss, is now the CEO. They are really trying to, to like rekindle the certain golden age. Huh. Um, I think That's as to interesting where, theory, yeah. well, it, because you know, there, there are women that get paid really good money, but pay, but notice that the CEOs of the companies where that's true are in either their thirties. Or in their early twenties or something. They are a different generation than the average CEO in the United States. Mm. Uh, you know, think, think Facebook, Sheryl Sandberg, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's barely 30. Mm. <laughs> so. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. And there's so much speaking of Sheryl Sandberg in the book she wrote, Lean mm. In, right? Where she just basically says, you have to just be aggressive and kind of act like a man in yeah. order to get more money. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I, I can't dispute that in some cases. Like, it's true. If men are talking over you in a meeting, you kind of have to just elbow in and speak up. Yeah. That's just, that's, that's been my strategy sometimes. Yeah. But it sucks that you even have to think about that as a woman where the men aren't thinking about it at all. They're completely focused on their work because they're not worried about being spoken over top yeah. of. Yeah. I mean, even if my hypothesis, you know, even if it is, let's say it is true. Um, the bottom line is, is you still, you know, there is still a favoritism towards a certain way of living mm-hmm. and a certain way that women need to be living, which I think is restrictive, you know, which falls under them doing all the things you talked about. The, right. the, the you know, when you get home, the unpaid, they got to take care of the kids, all the unpaid housework, housework care work and all and all that and emotional shit. labor. Yeah. yeah. OK, so, well. That was interesting. I mean, there's so much more we could say on that, but I wanted to get, oh. I had another article. Yeah. Did okay. you yeah. I just want to bring up one other point yeah. because what a lot of people say about the wage gap and mm-hmm. why it's a thing, they say it's because women don't want these higher paying jobs or right, they that choose they, motherhood that, instead that, yeah. that they don't go for them. Mm-hmm. This is crap. This falls under the CEO thing again. I mean, it is, I can debunk that, that argument in, in a heartbeat. Okay. Because what what happens is is that in a because of these again these societal mores that women are better at dealing with people in a lot of jobs they automatically because of this this notion that women are more social yep. or something like this mm-hmm. they automatically get put into positions mm-hmm. where there is no upward ladder yep uh you know if they i mean even in, even in the most basic of jobs like fast food Yep. I, and I, I can tell you this for certain. Mm-hmm. They will put women on the registers before they'll put them, you know, in the other stuff. And also to do yep. all that, you know, when they're, even if you could say it's all being fair and the guy, the, the, you know, the general manager or whatever is being fair. It's like, look, you don't understand. The guy takes out the garbage. He cleans the lot. You know, he does all this extra work and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's only doing it because you have this preconception that he's the strong one and he's the one that needs right. to be doing it. Right. And you think that the woman needs to stay inside and be protected instead of going out in the middle of the night to take out the yeah, and be friendly and, and stuff, smile at people on the register, exactly. right? Exactly. They don't understand. That's bullshit that it's because women don't want it. It's because the bosses are telling that, you mm-hmm. know, have these all these old ways of thinking that women are not, uh, you know, equal. Right. Or whatever. Mm. So, By the yeah. way, smiling is another example of emotional labor where you're expected oh. to smile or men will tell you, oh, smile. You look so pretty when you smile. Give me a woman with a good you sour so, puss on her face. You look so I tell sour you. when you don't smile. You lose your personal energy. Yeah, I've I had a man it. say that to me. I love it. I love you when you're mad. <laughs> All right. We're back. 
Um, should we do this? Should we do this other science article? What is and it? And then we have like a couple of listener emails for our sex segment. So, the science article I had was kind of funny. It was. It's called 12 Minutes of Yoga for Bone Health," and I wanted to bring it up because I have a very like kind of nuanced perspective of this. This was basically an article about. Um, a group of medical professionals, doctors in the mainstream health field, you know, allopathic doctors, MDs, who tried to do a study that was supposed to be bridging the gap between the alternative health world or Eastern medicine and Western ah. medicine, right? They tested yoga to see if it would improve bone density in women that were at risk for osteoporosis, hmm. right? And now whenever this happens, usually what they do is the Western doctors don't understand whatever they're testing. Sure. So they test it wrong, and then they find no result or no benefit. And then they're like, oh, it doesn't work. So it's bullshit. And now some some alternative health things definitely are bullshit. I will, yeah. I will give you that. I will be the first one to admit that. A lot of them are bullshit. A lot of them just simply do not work. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, though, are not bullshit. They do actually work. And it's not because of any kind of placebo or anything like that. It's real scientific and provable. And I think yoga is one of those things. I don't, I don't know specifically for bone density, but definitely for overall health. Mm -hmm. It has provable relaxation benefits. It lowers your levels of adrenaline and cortisol. It, uh, helps you sleep. It actually, you know, makes people get more restful sleep. It's relaxing, lowers blood pressure has social benefits. If you go to a yoga class and you have other people, there's like social benefits of exercise. Um, it increases a sense of well-being. You know, there, there's all, it strengthens, it stretches, it increases flexibility and range of motion. motion. It p- may prevent injuries. It may, imp- it improves balance. That's for mm-hmm. sure. If you practice balance exercises. So all of those things are like, yeah, duh, no brainer. But then they test it and they're like, Oh, it doesn't work. And they, what they tested was a 12 minute yoga DVD that, that had like 12 poses that you hold each for a minute and did that increase. That's what they use for the density. Tests to, Where, to debunk yoga? Yeah. And, and not many of, not many people who do yoga like only do it for 12 minutes. I was going to say, you usually do it for like an hour. Right. I, yeah, if I can, I do it for an hour. Yeah. I, the, the minimum I would do yoga is like 20 minutes. Yeah. That's probably the fastest yoga I could do. That's the time I do it with you. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's only going to be 20 minutes. All right. I'm good. <laughs> Let's do it. So I, I always think it's interesting because I can certainly see both sides of this issue. Mm-hmm. I can see the mainstream health perspective of like, we want evidence based medicine. We want something that we know really works beyond a shadow of a doubt. And yeah, maybe it works so well that it has all these other side effects, but at least we know it works. Right. And we have a yeah. study that shows that that we designed. On the other hand, I can see the other perspective, like, well, maybe you didn't test it right. Obviously, there are other benefits from yoga that have been shown through other studies and through anecdotal examples. Just do it and you'll see how you feel and you feel better, right? (laughs) Uh, So I can see both sides of this. So I, I just thought it was entertaining. So anyway, this is from the New York Times, 12 Minutes of Yoga for Bone Health by Jane Brody. And then we'll get into our listener emails, which are great, by the way. Yoga enthusiasts, she said, link the practice to a long list of health benefits, including greater flexibility and range of motion, stronger muscles, better posture and balance, reduced emotional and physical stress, and increased self-awareness and self-esteem. And I agree with all of those things. I'm mm-hmm. a yoga practitioner. Uh, <laughs> but definitively proving these benefits is challenging, requiring years of costly research. 
No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> oh my God. It's free to do yoga. <laughs> a pharmaceutical company is unlikely to fund a study that doesn't involve a drug. That's for sure. And in any event, the research requires a large group of volunteers tracked over a very long time. The subjects must provide health measurements at the outset, learn the proper poses, and then continue to do them regularly for years and be regularly evaluated. No one knows these challenges better than Dr. Lauren Fishman, a, f a physiatrist at Columbia University who specializes in rehabilitative medicine. For years, he's been gathering evidence on yoga and bone health, hoping to determine whether yoga might be an effective therapy for osteoporosis. This idea is not widely accepted in the medical community, but then research no com researchers know comparatively little about contemporary, about complementary medicine in general. So in 2005, Dr. Fishman began a small pilot study of yoga moves that turned up some interesting, encouraging results. Eleven practitioners had increased bone density in their spine and hips, he reported in 2009, compared to seven controls who did not practice yoga. So that was a small study okay. and to see if they were going to do a bigger study. Knowing that more than 700,000 spinal fractures and more than 300,000 hip fractures occur annually in the United States, Dr. Fishman hoped that similar findings from a much larger study might convince doctors that this low-cost and less dangerous alternative to bone loss drugs is worth pursuing. And yeah, like, I, I almost was a doctor. I, I went to medical school for two years. I, I dropped out. I didn't finish. But, you know, I was all about, like, if you can find something that costs very little or is free and could help the patient with minimal or no side effects. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's, <laughs> that's like the Holy grail. Of course you would want to do that. Right. But like he, like he said, in, or like Jane said in this article, that there's no incentive to study things like yoga because it's not something a pharmaceutical company can patent and sell right back to you, you know? <laughs> so Anyway, um, she goes on to talk about how these osteoporosis drugs can have lots of side effects like gastrointestinal distress and even fractures. Oh, my God. That's like completely antithetical to what like, <laughs> they're trying to do. On the other hand, yoga's, quote, side effects, Dr. Fishman and colleagues wrote, include better posture, improved balance, enhanced coordination, greater range of motion, higher strength and reduced levels of anxiety and better gait. Great side effects, right? Weight-bearing activities often recommended to patients with bone loss. Dr. Fishman argues that certain yoga positions fit the bill. Yoga puts more pressure on bone than gravity does, he said in another interview. By opposing one group of muscles against another, it stimulates osteocytes, the cells that make bone. So there's a scientific basis for why this might work. Um, 741 people joined his experiment from 2005 to 2015, and uh, 227 of them... 202 of them women followed through with doing the 12 assigned yoga poses. So that's not a very good rate. That's like maybe, I don't know, 30% of the participants stuck with it nah. who did the yoga poses daily or at least every other day. The average age of the participants was 68 and 83% had osteoporosis or its precursor osteopenia. The 12 yoga poses by their English names were tree, triangle, warrior two, side angle, Twisted Triangle, Locust Pose, Bridge Pose, Supine Hand to Foot 1, Supine Hand to Foot 2, Straight Leg Twist, and Bent Knee Twist, and Corpse Pose. So, Shavasana was in there. I don't know how that would help your bone density, but... I don't either. Each pose was held for 30 seconds. So, this is like the wimpiest yoga you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Tw 12 minutes, most of the poses, not that stressful. The Daily Regimen once learned took 12 minutes to complete. 
The researchers collected data at the start of the study, and a decade after, bone density measurements were taken again and emailed to the researchers. Many participants uh, had repeat x-rays done as well. The findings showed improved bone density in the spine and femur of the 227 patients who were moderately or fully compliant with the assigned yoga exercises. Okay, so let me bring this back. So wait. So is the 12-minute yoga, like, actually good? And Yep, they like, say that the tw- that even this little wimpy yoga workout, 12 minutes oh, okay. of yoga a day, is showing some benefit for these people okay. if they did it at least once every other day. That's not even that much. All right, so, I, yeah, I misunderstood because I, I was thinking that, that that was, like, too little to possibly be, like, a good study. Yeah, uh, I mean, but- the, 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 the results, like, I guess were not that impressive. Like, obviously, it's not as good. It's not as, quote, good for your bone density as taking one of these drugs that, like, really increases it with a lot of side effects. Sure. To go along with it. But, you know, uh, he's, here's another quote from this doctor. He says, spinal fractures can result from poor posture and there's no medication for that. But yoga is helpful, he said. Mm. So he's bringing up a really good point. Sure. In, in addition, yoga is good for range of motion, strength, coordination, and reduced anxiety, all of which contribute to the ability to stay upright and not fall. If you don't fall, you greatly reduce your risk for serious fractures. So I like that this one doctor is taking a holistic approach. I don't have much hope for the rest of medicine <laughs> at taking this holistic approach to health, um, <laughs> which is why I feel now, I guess, maybe more aligned with like functional medicine, if you can possibly go for it. Functional like, medicine meaning? Functional medicine is like the idea of like holistic medicine, like treating the root cause of conditions, especially chronic conditions. Mm-hmm. Like the the whole idea is like Western medicine and the, the kind that we, the mainstream medicine that we have in this country is really good at treating acute problems. Like if you break your arm or if you have the flu or if yes. you're about to die, go to the hospital, they'll fix you up. They're really good at that. What they're not so good at is treating chronic conditions like diabetes, type 2 diabetes, mm-hmm. obesity, heart problems, you know, those are smoldering for years and years. And they can be if especially if you intervene early, they can be really um, a lot treated with like lifestyle changes. Okay, those are lifestyle diseases. Sure. And they can be treated with lifestyle modifications. But nobody thinks of that they just want to put you on a drug that you have to take for the rest of your life. So (laughs) I like the idea, if at all possible, and sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes you have to go for the heavy duty big gun drug. Sometimes you need antibiotics, right? Sometimes you need whatever, um, medications, drugs, if you have something serious going on. Sometimes that's the best option, but it's not always the best option. Sometimes the best option is treating it naturally or changing your lifestyle or something like that. And it's cheaper and less side effects and just better in the long run for the patient. Sure. I think a great diet can uh, really solve a lot of problems. I'll say that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so that was what I wanted to say about that article. I thought it was kind of interesting. Should we go on to our listener emails? Sure. Because we have a couple of good ones. So <laughs> this is a great one. Listener email um, about, oh, you actually have this email. I don't have it. You oh, ha- yeah, you yeah. You have to read yeah, it. Yeah, I've so. got it here. So <laughs> it came into me through my, actually through my Patreon page, which uh, patreon.com slash sovereign tech. That's right. Uh, we don't have a Patreon for Sex and Science Hour, but we do, but Brian has one for his show, Sovereign Tech, which yeah. if you don't listen to that, you should. Thank you. It's really good. Yeah. So, and I appear on it sometimes. Yes, you do. Uh, so there's a lot of cross pollination there, obviously, between these shows. And yeah, um, we're just pollinating each other yeah. all day long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And, and so this starts off with a uh, howdy golden stallion, which that's kind of my nickname, um, on sovereign tech. But anyway, I, I just heard the most recent sex and science hour and was captivated by the energy between you and Stephanie in response to the listener. Captivating. Captivating. Well, we're captivating. <laughs> I love it. Uh, in response to the listener email about dating, which that was last week's episode, uh, towards the end of it, I believe. Um, I know you guys are super busy, which, what would that be? Episode 20? Episode 19? What are we on? This is episode 20. So last week was 19. Episode 19. Okay. So there's an episode 19. I know you guys are super busy, but hear me out for a moment, please. I, have you considered doing some sort of basic relationship counseling? Uh, for example, you're a damn attractive man. Again, this was directed towards me. <laughs> and the vast majority of that agree. for me, thank you, is due to your self-esteem and confidence in your ability. You don't have to say it. You just are it. Uh, if you uh, have slash would consider it, I, I'll totally be your first client. Cheers and thank you for the content. Uh, P.S. I hope you and Dr. Murphy are together for fucking ever. And, oh, that is uh, <laughs> thank really you so much. sweet. Thank As, you so much, listener. Yeah. That and, was a uh, nice email. Stephanie and Made I. my day. Yeah, mine too. And Stephanie and I are certainly planning on being together for all time. So yeah, in fact, I'm I, planning on it. <laughs> I even joke about it. I said, it's like, well, I'm, and I half joke that, you know, life extension technology, I literally plan on it being forever. oh that would be great if we could get some of that going on <laughs> damn right <laughs> so i mean well what do you what do you think stephanie i mean so i felt so i love first of all i love the email i was yes. really flattered by it Same i can here. feel the admiration and the love that the listener or the care that the listener has for us Same here. and i and i was very touched by that so thank you i i love the warm feeling the warm fuzzies i got warm from, fuzzies. from reading that email were just awesome um now when i think about becoming a relationship coach I feel really mixed because part of me feels really sketched out by that idea because I see so many other people who call themselves relationship coaches who are just so fucking skeezy, yeah. who are teaching men like these pickup artist techniques that are like, oh, target the HB10 and neg her and, you know, to yes. pit her friend against her and all this shit that's just terrible. And it's not actually making anyone happy. Uh, and they actually, some of them become really popular. To the point where, like, I heard this one guy once who was a, like, a, a male dating coach. You know, he's like one of these guys that teaches pickup artist techniques to other guys. Oh, yeah. Which there's a, those are a dime a dozen. There's so many yep. people like that out there. And, and apparently, um, he went to some city like London or something and he did a seminar. And after his seminar, he's walking around and he tried to like pick up a girl in a coffee shop. And she said, another guy said the exact same line to her earlier that day. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of his own lines. And he was like, well, shit. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, hilarious. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's a lot of people out there like that who I don't really appreciate what they have to say. There's a lot of people that give like really sexist, sexist advice mm -hmm. of like a, the only way you can be happy is you have these traditional heteronormative gender roles where the man has to make more money than the woman and be taller and older or else he'll feel emasculated and his fragile ego can't handle it. And <laughs> she should just be home having babies and sucking his dick and wearing high heels and never letting him see her without her makeup on. Yeah. And well, but I think I, that, like I yeah, no. Um. <laughs> yeah, but I think that hits at what he's saying here is that like he I mean, the we reason we would have a different perspective than that. Yeah, we'd have an exceptionally rare one because, well, for a few reasons. One is, is that, you know, it's not like we would necessarily console people to be baby makers. Uh, you know, man, man or woman. No. Um, yeah. and also that there, it wouldn't be this like scammy, you know, hookup culture. Right. Uh, uh, we would be, we would be, if we were doing this, we would be 
trying to get them to get to know who they are authentically, you know, to yeah. get to, like to be themselves and yeah. maybe to find out who they are. Right. Yeah. If they don't know. Yeah. I totally understand like that. Yeah. I don't want to be bunched in with like these people that are, that are really like all about uh, mm-hmm. frauding. I mean, or, you, you know, yeah, that, that they're relationship more about fraud, like, in my putting opinion. money in their own pockets. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, and I know I shouldn't let um, the bad name of some, quote relationship coaches ruin the whole profession for me mm-hmm. but the truth is i don't have any training at this either um Another now professional, yeah. I, w- I will say i've been doing a relationship podcast <laughs> yes <laughs> which is my which i've always admitted is my complete amateur opinion mm-hmm. like i've i've never claimed to be any kind of professional and i've never done any coaching right um i've been doing a relationship podcast for two since 2009 so that's a long time. That's like seven years. Yeah. But it was all just a hobby. Like, and I, I don't know if it would become as fun if I did it professionally. Sure. What about you, Brian? Yeah. I like, I'm open to this sort of thing, but like at the same time, you know, not that I'm a, not that I'm a modest person really, mm-hmm. but like some degree of modesty kicks in. Oh, to yeah. Where it's like, whoa, I don't know. You know, I'm, right. I'm still what figuring makes life me out. qualified to yeah. be a relationship coach and to charge money for it. Like, I think that's a healthy question to ask. And maybe you can answer that and say, well, I have this qualification and that qualification. And the answer could be, yeah, I am qualified. But that's not the answer for me. I don't feel that I am qualified. <laughs> sure. Right. <laughs> Except in an amateur capacity where I'm just having fun and I'm not like charging for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, you know, I'm, I would be curious, you know, to what, honestly, and I, you know, and, and this again, Stephanie and I speak for ourselves. I'm not speaking for Stephanie. She's not speaking for me. Uh, but you know, I'd be curious to hear what other people think about like this idea, you know, do, do would, would they, like, would we have any other clients? Yeah, would we have any other clients? <laughs> would they see value in it? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of a way of, fi- of answering that question. You know, am I qualified? And, yeah. you, you know, to, to, to get the respect of your peers, is one way to find to to answer that question. Yeah. Show I mean, at sexandsciencehour.com. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, email Brian and then <laughs> tell him about that. And, and me too. I'm kind of curious to see this. Now, if I was going to um I guess honestly list my qualifications, I have spent a lot of time reading and learning about relationships. I've had a lot of relationships mm-hmm. that I've cared about and worked on. Um I've spent a lot of time doing sort of self-development or self therapy even like trying to sort out my own issues yeah so that's a big that's a big one i think you need that if you're going to go into any kind of um professional capacity where you're going to be helping people with their own problems you have to have your own shit figured out you have to have your own house in order first to some degree right and not not to say that anyone ever has their house in order perfectly right because that's not you know it's a journey not a destination but you're at least trying and you have a level of self-awareness about it right about Mm -hmm. where you're at so there, that's one thing that I'm fairly proud of that I've done. Um, of course, more work to do, but, you know, have started on that. Um, another thing is I've studied, uh, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time like learning about nonviolent communication, yep. which is like a very, this is a common thing that a lot of people who are very interested in relationships talk about and learn about, especially people who are trying to do polyamorous relationships. And, uh, nonviolent communication is a way of like thinking about, um, universal human needs and how our feelings are connected to those needs being met for us or not. And also being able to use that, the fact that we all have these same basic needs to connect with other people 
and to say, oh, I know what it feels like when I don't have this or I do have this and I know how they feel now. Yeah. So that's basically what it is. I think, um, I think it's cool. I think I've, you know, integrated it as much as I want to. Um, some people have criticisms of, of nonviolent communication, but we, we won't talk about that. Like, like that it sounds jargony or yep. whatever. They get annoyed by the, by the speak. Sure. <laughs> and actually that one's fairly easy to address because nonviolent communication is supposed to be about being authentic and like really speaking from the heart about what's actually genuinely happening for you inside your mind mm-hmm. and your heart. And when you speak in jargon or when you're so worried about phrasing something the right way that you're less focused on being authentic and saying how you really feel, it defeats the purpose, yeah. right? So it, the focus always has to be on authenticity rather than speaking correctly, quote unquote. Absolutely. Um, so there's that. That's another qualification, I suppose. Um, I definitely have read a lot about relationships and sexuality and listened to a lot of podcasts about them. I mean, that's been going on for 10 plus years. Yeah. Uh, it's been a subject of fascination for me and I absorb stuff about it like a sponge. Um, gender, sexual orientation, read a lot about gender identity, feminism and what have you and, um, you know, LGBT issues. So yeah, I think, I mean, I think I do have some qualifications but I haven't gone down this route yet of, of doing some kind of coaching. So if the person is really serious and they really want our help with like a specific problem, I'll, I'm going to keep thinking about it. Yeah. That, that's my thing is just, yeah, we're, we're thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, and actually the person said in their email that, um, it, it almost sounded like he was saying he wants to be our client, but then he was also saying like, you don't need to like preach to anybody about whatever, about being a, attractive guy or being having successful relationships because you just are it you just live it your life is the te- if you put that in like christian terms your life is your own testimony is your witness right yeah. your life is your witness right so so it, that's the only qualification i've had is just i've had a pretty wild life uh, up, up until well even still i guess you've, but, you've put effort into working on yourself oh and certainly sure, definitely thank you. like in personal development land i think we've both done that yeah uh but yeah, I mean, if if our life is our witness, as this listener says, you know, maybe you can just get what you need from listening to our podcast and sort of virtually hanging out with us instead. And you can always ask us questions like for free. You can always just send us listener questions. Yeah. It's just that if you're paying us, like maybe we'd have a Skype call with you and you could ask us specific questions one on one. But we're available to you for our perspective if you email us. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You can get some of that. You can get the goods. <laughs> get the goods on our podcast. Let us know what you think. Email show at sexandsciencehour.com. Yeah. So I, I guess overall, I feel mixed about the idea of relationship coaching. But if there really was like a huge demand, I kind of, another part of me is skeptical that I could do better at that than I could at voiceover. Because voiceover is my bread and butter. That's what I do really well. I make money at it. I always make money at it. And I do great. And yeah. I'm proud of myself for that. Um, but if I start a new business, it's going to, probably take a while to ramp up. And do I want to spend the time on that and take it away from my voiceover, which I know mm-hmm. is a success? A part of me is saying, like, don't mess with success. Sure. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? That makes a lot of sense. Uh, similar things run through my mind. Yeah. So anyway, we've just completely gave a non-answer to that question. But <laughs> we like just we talked about how off. conflicted we feel. <laughs> we put the answer off onto the listeners. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but maybe it'll be helpful like later to just let that those thoughts like slosh around in our minds and listen back to this and and then take a, a, a breath and 
and have a new perspective on how we feel about this. Sure. And yeah, we'll get back to you and maybe we'll get feedback from other people too. Absolutely. All right. So our final listener email, and this was, uh, this was pretty amusing. Last week we talked about Steemit and I made this comment. Uh, Steemit is a social media platform kind of like Reddit, but people can post their own posts and they get upvoted and downvoted. But there's a cryptocurrency, there's several cryptocurrencies that are tied with it and you get paid out for po- having popular posts or yeah. for having co- popular comments on popular posts. Yeah. It's an inherently monetized Reddit. That's, yep, that's, that's a great way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, thank you for With that. With the voting and blog posting all built in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so this person, so last week we were talking about Steemit, and I made a comment about, I don't think Steemit, I predict that because of the community that's on Steemit that got in early, it's a lot of, um, I called them libertarian dude bros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, um this person actually wrote to us and said that he wrote an article that was on Steemit that was specifically meant to appeal to the libertarian dude bros because he wanted to test my theory about whether that would make a lot of money on Steemit. Yeah. I thought that the, that libertarian dude bro geared articles would make a lot of money on Steemit. And I predicted that feminist articles would not make a lot of money on Steemit. Yeah. I think I've actually been proven wrong. <laughs> and I'll show you, I'll tell you why. So this person wrote an article called Dating economics, the real truth behind relationships and what it means to you. And what he did was reduce people completely to pieces of meat and points on a graph. And he made these charts that are based on the, there's some comedian that has this like crazy slash hot matrix. Okay. Have you heard of this before? Yes. It's like, oh, you know, the women who are the hottest are usually crazy because they don't have to try to have a nice personality. Men just want to fuck them anyway. Yeah, I've heard the nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, he expanded upon that and he wrote this, he made like a, a very visual article with lots of charts and graphs, basically saying that women want men who are um, jerks, meaning assertive, aggressive, um, kind of cocky and arrogant, and also have a lot of money. And men want women who are young, fertile and beautiful and just not that crazy kind of tolerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and... These intersect because men's value peaks at a certain age, which is like 35 to 45, because yeah. that's when I, they have the most money. I can see the article. There's a lot of charts. There's a lot, a lot, of, lot of, of charts. It's mostly visual, mostly <laughs> pictures, which I mean, is probably this, a good thing for if, SEO. If you're just briefly looking at it, you're like, wow, this is really well done if you didn't look you know, really <laughs> deep. <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I don't think he's saying anything particularly new, but nope. you know, it was entertaining the way Nobody he presented it. Nobody says anything it. new, though. But anyway, go ahead. Um, so he says men's value peaks from 30 to 45 because they ha- that's when they have the most money because they're most established in their careers. And then they can also be arrogant about it because they have the money and they can get away with it. And women's value peaks around, you know, their 20s, like 20 to 25. That's when they're the hottest and the most fertile. Mm-hmm. Right. And so... If you are not in one of those age groups, if you're a younger man whose value has not yet peaked, or if you're an older woman whose value has already peaked and you're past your prime, then those people should hook up with each other. So basically, he's advocating for cougars and cubs <laughs> to fix the economics of the dating realm. And he, and he completely, what is that? Um, What is the adjective that, what is it called when, when you reduce everything to economics? Like to supply and demand, and it's like called economizing or something. Oh, I know that's I, not I really what it's called. Yeah, but, I'm not sure of the term. But there's this tendency that people who identify as uh, libertarians or just like rational, like 
super rational types, mm-hmm. super literal types tend to do, which is reduce everything to economics. They turn like everything complex into a market analogy. human yeah. interactions into like market economics. Which is So ridiculous. this person totally did that. I'm not sure if he's just trolling and he's just trying to appeal to the <laughs> people who he thinks are on Steemit or if he really believes this. Either way, his post, which I thought was pretty good, only made $31. Wow. Meanwhile, there was a woman who posted something about, this is the shit that I deal with as a woman in IT. Okay, she's like a female who works in IT. Uh-huh. She posted something that, you know, it's all about like, oh, tell Suzanne to go in there in a skirt, that'll seal the deal. And she and she's like a professional woman that works in IT, yep. lives in Sweden or something, which is supposed to be like this feminist paradise, but yet she still encounters sexism. And her post got like $700. Wow. So... I don't know. It's just two data points, but maybe my dude bro theory was wrong. <laughs> well, there's there's something <laughs> there's something to be said for name for brand recognition. That's true. Yep. For name power. And I don't know. That this person had a off. fair amount of clout. The person who wrote the um the economics article had a fair amount of clout on Steemit. He's mm-hmm. got like forty six Steemit points, which is pretty pretty high, I sure. guess, up there. He's like not a not a bottom of the barrel user by any means. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I thought it was very interesting. Thank you for sending that to us, uh, listener. I hope you continue to make a ton of money on Steemit. I, or I hope you, I hope you continue not on Steemit, but I hope you continue to make a lot of all the money you desire and have a happy life. And thank you for uh, yeah. participating. I, I, w- I wish the same. I absolutely wish the same for the individual. Uh, I will say that like, I, I don't think there's any laws of logic when it applies to steam it because the system itself doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, so, there can definitely be these weird outliers where the whales are really what makes the success of a post or not. Right. Right. There's yeah. like some people who like, there's one user called Bernie Sanders. I don't know who it is, but <laughs> I will say on steam it, I've read some interesting um, analyses of like the top top 500 users and how they upvote and like there's a lot of charts in them and mm-hmm. those are actually fascinating because it shows who really has the power on Steemit and how how that works. Well right, I mean then the whales would want to maybe upvote at least one or two mm-hmm. uh, uh you know articles written by a woman say in the workforce or something just so that they can say uh well no, I'm we, not a sexist. we upvoted one so we're <laughs> actually not sexist. I know it's just one and there's probably there might be hundreds but we we just made sure we did that one so that we got our quotas in for women. <laughs> You know, I don't yeah. even know if they're paying that much attention. It's just well. people are just on there fucking around trying to see how it works. Yep. Uh, so anyway, um, I don't know what the conclusion is for that, but I thought it was kind of entertaining. <laughs> so there you go. Sex and Science Hour is brought to you by... Uh, What's it brought stuff, to stuff? Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And we're going to talk about that in the after show coming up. If you're not going to stick around, sayonara. We'll see you next week. Next Friday, sexandsciencehour.com. Check it out for the new episode. Thanks for tuning in. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. We actually never really went anywhere in the yeah. first place. 
We forgot to say, because we did these listener emails in the last uh, segment. If you have emails for if you have something you want to email us, you can use the contact form on our website, which is sexandsciencehour.com. Yep. There you can also go shopping at stuff.sexandsciencehour.com or by clicking through the link at the top of our website. Um, or you can email us at show at sexandsciencehour.com. Which we did repeat that a few times. That one. Oh, we did? Okay, we I'm did sorry. I didn't address. notice that. That's okay. But everything else, we're good. Now, I got an email asking about the background music for the after show. Okay. And fuck now that I'm, now that I'm looking for it I can't find it someone was asking someone was saying because what happened was when we started sec- season one of sex and science hour we didn't have an after show okay we just yep. had the regular show one hour and I made all these bumpers from roll music roll music is an artist that makes chip tunes all the music you hear in the normal show of sex and science hour is from roll music and it's public domain and it's um I don't know if it's public domain or like Creative Commons attribution license or something like that. Free but it, to use, it was though. okay to use it in our podcast. Yes. Roll Music actually knows that we used it in our podcast and said good luck and yes. gave us his blessing, I suppose, in a way, <laughs> or her. Um, and so that music is is accessible. I really like Roll Music's music. I mean, I would listen to it normally. I oh, I think it's great. I love chip tunes. Um, but fan. a lot of people compliment us on our show bumpers. So yep. there's that. I think that was a good choice. But in the after show, I made that later. I made that for, for specifically for season two, because our game plan for the show sort of changed. We had to shift gears. And so we said, okay, we're going to do an after show where we talk about our uh, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Uh, Amazon affiliate link, mm-hmm. and we're going to see what people bought on Amazon, and then we're going to discuss it and judge them. And everybody loves that because they love to be a little creepy voyeur yep. on everybody else's shopping habits. Actually, I mean, we did have somebody say last week that it's like the QVC of <laughs> of, uh, of sex and science. Yeah. <laughs> so was somebody asking what the music was? Somebody was asking, what is the music on the after show? Because it's not in the role music's discography. Right. And it, that's because it's not roll music. It's actually, um, it's actually by. Well, you had to, you bought it, right? I bought it. Like, yeah. That's this, important to just say. This is, is that... a, a stock music clip that I purchased. Right. So it's right. not roll music. It's, it's called Chip It Up and it's by an artist called Mellowcore. So ah. this was a stock music that I purchased. So thank you for asking. Um, I don't know if that artist has more music, but I'm guessing they do. And some of it's chip tunes, some of it may not be. So do your own research <laughs> on that. But um, yeah, that's why you couldn't find the uh, the music on Roll Music's dis- discography because it wasn't by Roll Music. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks for asking about that. Um, we did have an email too about our after show. So, uh, last week we talked about a listener who bought a Babylon 5 book, Woo-hoo. but we were kind of, uh, we were kind of disappointed because, you know, it, the book was purchased. It was one of those books on Amazon that was purchased for like a penny and then you pay $3.99 for shipping. And so you're paying $4, but since the purchase price, we don't get a commission on the shipping. So the, we just get a commission on the purchase price. So we made zero cents from yeah. that purchase. We weren't disappointed. It's just like, it's just funny to bring up. It was funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right. We weren't disappointed. Yeah. It was, it was just kind of funny to yeah, like, we appreciate it all the same. And we yeah. don't mind talking about Babylon five books because Brian thinks oh, it's man. the best show In on history. earth. Yeah. Greatest show on earth. So anyway, this person emailed us. Hello, old friends. Brian will get the reference. 
I bought the Babylon 5 book. I didn't realize you'd get gypped on that. And I, I don't feel gypped. I thought it was funny. So <laughs> he says, I sent a little Bitcoin donation your way because you deserve it. Yay. Thank you very much. Yeah. We do have a Bitcoin tip address as well as PayPal on our website, sexandsciencehour.com. If you would like to give, it's not required, but it's certainly appreciated. So thank you, listener, for that. Um, he says, Brian, I know I told you I downloaded all the books, but that one sounds like a good one to have displayed on my shelf. I fucking love Sinclair K. Oh, no. I fucking, Sinclair. I fucking love Sinclair. K, thanks, guys. Do whatever you want for season three. I will be listening no matter what. That's very nice. Yeah, so Sinclair, Commander Sinclair, who is also one of my favorite characters in the entire Babylon 5 saga. Um, Actually, a very tragic story around the actor's life, but I won't go into that. No. But I will just say, in response, uh, do you fasten, then zip, and hello, old friend. And uh, that's... I don't get it. All of that is Babylon 5. (laughs) So just so people know, but I just wanted him to know. Yeah, thanks. And he also brought up season three. So we talked, as we talked about last week, we're, we're considering what to do with season three. I'm guessing, I think, I'm thinking we'll probably go up to like maybe about 25 episodes and then we'll take a little break. Not too long, not two years for sure. No, yeah, yeah. Not more than like a month or two, I would guess. If even that. If even that. And then we'll go back and we'll hit it back to season three. But I want to just acknowledge we did get another email from one of our listeners and someone we know in person is like a friend as well as a listener. And he basically said, what would it take to get you guys to go on a camping trip in the woods? (laughs) So we're thinking about that. I've been thinking about it every day. So we're going to respond to that. Yeah. Thank you for that. We haven't gotten back to him. It was very, it was very touching and sweet. Just wonderful. Appreciate that. We're, we're thinking about it. So anyway, all right. Um, so what did people get through stuff.sexandscience.com yeah, this of week? Yeah. All right. Um, Brian only wants to do a couple because we're on the way to a party and he wants to go to the party. Well, I, no, oh, we'll do it quick. <laughs> putting it on me. <laughs> no, I mean, okay, so this is a relationship issue, but you sometimes get nervous when I say like, okay, let's go to the party by this time. I mean it loosely, uh-huh. but you're like, okay. We're going to get there by this time and we have to make sure that happens. And I think you get a little ang- anxiety about it, which I, I understand. I'm not criticizing well, people, you in like, any way for that. Like people think I, I, I have this old thing. I mean, granted, OK, you can tell a lot about my about my um, uh, about me by the fact I still wear a watch. Get constantly. A, you a sleep real with it on. honest to Satan watch. I mean, <laughs> the, you know, uh, and at all times. Um, so, you know, time is is of the essence for me, as you could say. But I think a lot of people and maybe I'm just pro- projecting on myself. You know, they people like tactness when they say they want you to be somewhere five, you know, or something or, you know, something's at this point in time. I, I feel like I get looked on poorly um, if I'm not, you know, if I'm not. Not 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 that I have to be on time, but like I don't know, you know. You want to show up when you said you would show up, right? Or yeah, or when people are having something. Yeah, I mean, I I get that. I I I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, ever since I quit my day job, I I have really just enjoyed the hell out of not paying attention to times and not having sure. certain meetings and not having to be somewhere at a specific time because I spent my whole life doing that oh, and yeah. I, it was really stressful in some time in, yeah, in yeah, some yeah. cases yeah. so that's why I sort of get off on being late because <laughs> I just love the idea of taking the luxury of not having to be somewhere at a specific precise time yeah. but I also get wanting to be punctual because it's just considerate yeah. so I struggle with that so yeah. well, I, not, I understand not, where you're coming no, from no I'm not blaming you for anything I'm not saying anything like that I, I'm just you know saying that yes I do have a thing for time yeah um, you know, I know. I'm just expressing that. That's all. 
I know, and I, I don't want to make you anxious or anything. No, but... it's me. You can't make another person feel... Well, the truth is, we didn't say that we would be at this party when it started. We didn't say what time we would be there. Yeah. So, and it's a party, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we can walk in whenever we get there, and it's going to be fine, oh, the and they'll be happy to see us there, regardless. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> we're going to walk in when we get there, and it's everything's going to be fine, and we're going to have a great time. There it is. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so you can relax, Brian. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so um. What did people buy this week? All right, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Well, first thing, we have an Amazon $50 gift card in a black gift box. So this is a birthday present for somebody. You give them a little black box, and inside there's an Amazon gift card. And it's actually very cute. Oh, so thank I you like for that. that. Um, <laughs> so another thing that's an actual item, we got a screen protector. This is a Galaxy S7 screen protector. Now the Galaxy S7 is new, isn't it, Brian? You you loved you know all the newest cell phones. Yes, the S7, the Note 7 is very very new, but the S7 is the latest that is available to buy. So the thing about the S7 is that it has this screen where the edges kind of wrap around the sides of the screen. Yeah, uh, the Edge does the S7 Edge. There's two models. The yeah, S7 so this and the is S7 for the edge. this is for the S7 Edge, and okay. then so the yep. screen protector also looks like it kind of wraps around the nice. edge of the screen too. So yeah, that's a cool design. I've never seen anything really like that before. Yeah, you know that the the Edge where where the screen kind of wraps around uh, one of the sides or both sides or whatever. Uh-huh. A lot of people, including myself, I thought it was a little bit of a gimmick, mm-hmm. but it's really becoming a popular, you know, very demanded feature on, right. on these phones. It's selling very well, uh, which I think. I'll give Samsung credit. I'll say this quickly. So I give Samsung a lot of credit for putting in a lot of money into R&D, into research and development, and actually releasing prototypes to market. Because that's mm-hmm. what the edge originally was, was just a stupid prototype idea that ended up becoming very popular. Samsung is a rare, super rare company. Fuck Apple. Uh, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't like Samsung particularly. What did Samsung start out as? Remember we were talking about Mitsubishi and how it was actually a bank and not a car oh, company? Oh, they do all, Samsung does all kinds of things. I think they started off maybe with military contracts. Like they built submarines, boats. Oh. Uh, they did all kinds. I mean, Sony was the insurance well. company, right? Yep, Sony was the insurance company. in the insurance business. Yeah. Yeah. Mitsubishi was originally a shipping company. Company mm. um, that became a bank, and then it became a you know manufacturer. But right um, on, yeah. Anyway, so okay. kudos to Samsung for you know putting out prototypes because no, very few companies ever do that. All right. Well, uh, well. Speaking of, um, I think my next phone might be the Galaxy S7. Right? Didn't you say to well, wait by, for that one? No, wait for the Nexus. The Nexus Seven. Yeah. I okay. mean, if you got an S7, that'd be fine. You know. Uh, not that I, I'm not saying I like Samsung I, I any better than I like Apple. Phone. I'm just saying that I'm nef- definitely not never getting an iPhone. Yeah. Samsung doesn't sell like the really, well, they have the mega, but they don't really sell the big, big phone. Right. So, okay. So, so then speaking of electronics, the next thing somebody got was a USB 3.0 PCIe host card. So this is one of those things that has three USB port- ports that can pop into your computer. <laughs> like PCIe. my little sound effects. Yeah, there. that was good. About the sound that it makes too. Is it really? Eh, yeah. Depends on what it. the plastic clip looks like. <laughs> right on. So somebody got one of those. Somebody got two dozen or was it one yeah, two dozen rainbow roses with a vase. Hmm, that's pretty. I think I might actually know about this uh-huh. gift. Um <laughs> It was very beautiful. You can get the whole thing on Amazon. Don't need to mess with pro flowers or anything like that. Uh, somebody got some coconut soy sauce. So like they have these coconut amino acids that, you know, mimic the taste of soy sauce. 
And mm. it's a very good flavor enhancer. So they got a coconut secret organic aminos, soy free seasoning sauce. Tasty. I guess you can't call it soy sauce because it's seasoning sauce, because it's coconut. But it, so it's coconut designed to replace soy it, sauce? It tastes like soy sauce. Okay. Yeah. But that's it's, cool. it's no, made it's out of a coconut. Soy is bad for you. So that's good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, fermented soy, probably not as bad, but they put wheat in it and who knows what else. Yep. I mean, I don't know. Soy sauces could have health benefits, but some people are allergic to soy and some people are trying to avoid it. So that's why typically they drink, eat, eat drink, put this on their food. I don't know. But sure. that's why there's coconut soy sauce out there. <laughs> Somebody got um skin, like a skin mask. It's called... Um, Orisil skin butter plus two pounds of Y.O. Pure 100% bentonite clay inside of a safety tub. So it's like something you smear on your face to make yourself more beautiful. Okay. <laughs> um, that looks cool. Somebody got some bleach uh, on the other extreme. It's a three pack of Ajax oxygen bleach powder cleanser. Don't put that on your face. No, do not mix up those two items. That yeah. would be a bad scene. <laughs> Somebody got some AA batteries, which Amazon has, which I bought batteries from Amazon. We've no, talked about this before. Their batteries yeah. are great. Um, it's a staple item. Another person got uh, blackout shades. Now, this is an essential item if you like to sleep. Because yeah. <laughs> if you like to sleep past the time the sun comes up, you need blackout shades. Nah. And you need to also put tape over any lights that are in your bedroom. Preferably, don't even plug anything in in your bedroom at all. Um, I, I have a Himalayan salt lamp in my bedroom, and I love uh, the pink glow that it casts. We also have one in the studio. Yeah, they're all over right the place now. in this house. Yeah, It's very relaxing. As are the blackout shades. It doesn't like harsh you out before you go to sleep. It, you know, Because sometimes it's so hard to go to sleep because you have all these bright lights shining in your eyes. Yeah. Like, and you don't even realize how many things in the household make these bright lights. So... You know, if you want soft lighting, blackout shades plus Himalayan salt lamp, and you can get it all at stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Woo! <laughs> um, somebody got a laundry hamper, the one of those ones that pops up. So it's like you those compress it into like a flat circle, and then yeah. it's like, poof, it just like pops up, and you have a laundry hamper. I love those. I love those, too. It reminds me of camp, because I had to bring one to camp when I was a kid. <laughs> um, this is... Perhaps my favorite item that was purchased this week, although it's hard to make a call. I, they're, they're all my favorite, but this is um, a cool item that I never would have thought of. Somebody got a sushi and sashimi knife, a nine and a half inch, mm. beautiful knife. I mean, this is just a gorgeous knife. It was, it was, they spared no expense to its $189 price point, but you need to spend that much if you're going to get a really good sushi knife. And if you want to make really good sushi at home, you need that knife. So this is a beautiful knife. It's Yoshiro Hammered Damascus, uh, 46-layer uh, slicer Japanese sushi sashimi chef knife, nine and a half inches, with beautiful. a shiton handle. What is a shiton handle? You don't want a shiton the handle. <laughs> a shiton handle? I mean, is that like saying <laughs> it's, it's rose hang? Is I that... don't know. It says that the handle is made out of rosewood, so maybe that has something to do with it. I guess it. so. All right. It's a term I don't understand, but... Have you ever made your own sushi and sashimi, Brian? No, no. Can you tell that story real quick about when you were in Japan? Oh, and God. I make sushi, you make. So in Japan, there's a <laughs> lot of awesome. like, well, 
there's a lot of a lot of uh, like vendor, you know, roadside like, sushi, yeah, roadside vendors. food places and whatever. They, they have various names for them, kind of like how taxis are called kamikazes in Japan. Really? Because that's how crazy they drive. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, literally say, could you hail me a kamikaze? You know, if you, <laughs> or, well, if you're not going to say it all in Japanese. But, um, anyway, so there's, you know, these roadside, you know, kind of, kind of little, kind of like diners or whatever stuff you have in New York City. Very similar. And like the food carts, like the halal? Not, not a food cart, a little, a little grander than that. Okay. So, but anyway, I mean, cause there's like a kitchen in the back of it and everything, oh, you know, okay. I mean, but, but it's not, it's not like you wouldn't call it a building either. You wouldn't like, it's not like a sit down restaurant. You could right. sit except for a bar of it. But anyway, um, there was this, you know, at one point I was spending a good amount of time in Kyoto there and there was, uh, uh, I was at one of them and like, we would go there, me and a couple guys, we would go there for about a week. We were more or less going there every day and we keep seeing this one kid and it was an American kid and he red hair, you know, I mean, definitely American. It was a ginger. Yeah, it was a ginger. Ginger in Japan. Right. A ginger and he wasn't, you know, doing well with the ginger on the sushi, but oh, anyway, <laughs> but, but yeah, at one point, like this poor kid who you could kind of tell he was nervous, sort of having a hard time. I have no idea what the hell he was doing there. We never bothered to ask. Well, he was but, trying to make it as a sushi chef, right? Uh, well, I, I guess. I mean, he was trying to make it what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if he was just trying to earn money or what. Um, but anyway, he like at some point out of the back, you know, this guy, you know, comes running out with a knife in his hand, <laughs> oh my God. you know, and, uh, you know, a Japanese guy and uh-huh. is chasing this poor kid. I mean, he's not a kid, you know, maybe his 20s or something, you know, chasing this guy out of the place and saying, get out of here. So, you know, and the guy's like, I'm just trying to make some sushi. And the guy literally yells. It's like something out of a movie. And the guy just yells, no, no, I make a sushi. You make shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and I mean, just starts chasing the dude, you know, away from this little, little thing. And, oh man, it was, it was the damnedest. Like, I felt bad for the kid, but at the same time, it was funny as hell. You know? <laughs> and it's just like, get out of here. Uh, yeah, it was nuts. That's anyway, a funny story. Yeah. You've told me that off the so, air before. Th- th- there you have it. A lot of, lot so, of set up in that one line is the whole build. So listener with your new knife, may you make, may you make a sushi. Not shit. Not a shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. Somebody got, um, a like office calendar, a 17 month agenda. So somebody's actually writing in a paper calendar. How cool is that? Nice. I, maybe I don't know for sure, but <laughs> and then they got a ball ballpoint pen with assorted ink colors. I I love pens. I I'm love a, pens a too. Fan. A good pen, a good pen that doesn't like you know stop like uh, I don't know crap out. What do you call it when you're trying to write with a pen and it's like dot dot dot? Oh, it starts st- drying out. Yeah, yeah when it yeah, does, yeah. when it like yeah screws up. Yeah, you know it's a good quality pen when it's always nice and smooth. Yeah. Okay, somebody got a um like a rug gripper, you know, that you put under your rug oh, yeah. to make sure it doesn't slip. I have some of those in my house. I have to say they've really improved things. Yeah. Because you can easily slide out. across the floor if it's like a hardwood floor. Yeah. Somebody got a foam roller. Now, I have a foam roller and I do back. not use it admittedly as often as I should. Hmm. But when I do use it, it's painful, but it's awesome afterwards. Yeah. So what a foam roller does is that like the idea is you roll, you roll different parts of your body over it and you're using gravity and your own body weight to put pressure on your muscles. Okay. And the idea is that like an old rubber band, perhaps that has like knots tied in it, our muscles get that way. We get knots in our muscles. Mm -hmm. And in order to get those knots to relax, if we have those knots, the tension on our muscle fibers is uneven, right? Because right. think of a rubber band that you tied a knot in, there's going to be stress like in the points on either side of that knot. So 
in order to get the knots out of our muscles, we have to put pressure on them, decrease the blood flow for a few minutes until it starts to actually hurt. Mm-hmm. And then let the blood and then take the pressure off and let the blood flow come back to bring more blood into the area to heal it up. Uh-huh. I think that's the concept. If I'm butchering it, I'm sorry. You can correct me. Show at sexandsciencehour.com. But that's what I understand of it. So the idea is to put pressure on the knots in your muscles and then take the pressure off. And it hurts. It really hurts when you do that. Mm-hmm. But it feels great afterwards and it really makes them relax. Yeah, I've never used one, so I'll, I'll you take can your use word mine. for it. It's yeah, sitting there. <laughs> I, maybe at some point. I, I do use it. I, I have to say, like, when I notice that my muscles get tense, and that's it has to get really bad before I start to notice it, mm-hmm. I'll use the foam roller, and I'll be, like, in agony and pain, but then I'll be glad I did it afterwards. So yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's the foam roller. Um, hope you enjoy it. Hope you enjoy your self-torturing, beating yourself up with the foam roller. <laughs> <laughs> Um, somebody got a hand forged Marlin spike tool for paracord and leather work. Now this is not, I immediately thought of Moxie Marlin spike. Oh yeah. Do you think that's where they got their name from? Uh, no, I think a Marlin spike exists outside of that. That's like a thing. Okay. Do you see what I'm talking about, Brian? It's like a, it's like a leather, it's like a, it's like a metal, literally a spike, like a railroad spike or like a tent spike. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has like, you know, an artistic looking handle. But I think what this is for is when you're making like a leather bracelet or a leather belt, you put it on there and then you hammer it in to put a dent in the leather and make a design in it. Or maybe even a hole in the belt. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's probably it. Yeah, Marlon Spike's like, that's like a thing. I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's for it's I, a thing. Yeah. I think it's for like it's like rope work that mm-hmm. that the you know that well either that way you do on ships it's like pretty you pu- use it for that rope work. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, either way, it's pretty punk rock that Moxie Marlin Spike. I like that name. Yeah, it is a good name. <laughs> Anything with spike in it, you know. <laughs> Somebody got a face clamp, and it's not what you think. Now, I guess this could be used to like pinch down on someone's cheek and say, "Oh, you look at your cheeky, <laughs> so cute." <laughs> <laughs> and it could be used to like clip somebody's lips together and just make sure they can't talk. <laughs> but what it is is just two flat plates where you and it's kind of like a kind of like a pliers where you can open and close it and you can clamp two things together. So that's a face clamp. I learned something new. Okay, hmm. you probably already know what it is, maybe, but I learned something new. Um, and then somebody got some uh, some pocket screws. So they're boy, these tools have sexual names sometimes, don't they? I'm doing uh, the pocket screw. Well, I'm going to give you the face clamp, girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. Take my Marlin spike. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Uh, okay. We only have three more things left. All right. So we've got three items that, well, two of them might go together. So the first one is a lithium battery. It's a CR2032 battery, three volts. So probably like a little, let's see what this is. I think it's like a little watch battery. Yeah, CR2032 yeah. is a standard. They yeah. use it in computer BIOS, you know, for the motherboards. It gets used in car uh, fobs and, you know, key fobs and all that. Oh, yeah, I probably need a new board. one of those because my thing We've stopped got a working a yeah. long time ago. <laughs> but at least I still have a key. Yeah, but keep <laughs> them around. Okay, those are say. those batteries get used in so much. Very handy thing to buy. Yeah, they're definitely useful to have a few of yeah. them on hand. Um, and they're not that expensive. It was only $2 for one. Yep. So, you know, it's affordable. Um so the next, the last final two items were somebody I think is installing a new shower head. Mm. And it's one of the shower heads that can be used, not saying this is definitely what's going on, but can be used for female pleasure. Oh. 
<laughs> and what I'm talking about, of course, is those, those handheld shower heads. Now, I'll tell you a secret in case you didn't know. You probably do know if you're the one who bought this, but that's probably exactly why you bought it. But, um, <laughs> they're useful for other stuff besides this. But some women love to take these handheld shower heads and just spray it on their pussy. And it feels really good. Some people, that's like the only way they can get yep. off. They love it. Yep. I've known people that, that, yeah, I would try and get right underneath the, the bathtub uh, faucet there. Of course, I could just be being an asshole. It could be for like someone who's in a wheelchair and can't like <laughs> and needs to be able to spray different parts of themselves or can't get their whole body wet for some reason. Yeah. So it could be for that. And then, of course, they got thread tape to seal it. So that's what people got. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. If you want to be part of our after show, thank you so much for tuning in. This was a fun show. We'll see you next week. Woo. Be back at you sexandsciencehour.com. In the meantime, tell a friend, tell two friends, and we'll see you next week. Bye.